Hello and welcome to episode eight of Establish the Collection. I'm Cody Main, joined as always by my co-host Gary Hartman. Gary, how's it going, buddy? It's good, man. Episode eight. That's 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 big time. What are we two months in now? Something like that, right? Yeah. It's been it's been a good run so far. We appreciate you guys, all of you, for being here, um, for checking out the show, for subscribing, for rating, for reviewing the podcast. All of it's very much appreciated. Yep. Um, and speaking of which, Gary, since we last recorded, Trey Young and the Hawks, they they did close out your beloved New York Knicks yep. with you in attendance at yep. MSG. Uh, first of all, what was it like being at a, a elimination game at the Garden? I mean, it was a blast, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, just any playoff basketball at the Garden was, to an extent, a blast. Yes. Uh, that game, they scored 89 points. I mean, mm. oh, God. Just 89 points in today's modern offensive game. What are we doing? Uh, it was disappointing, to say the least, the performance in the playoffs. But as I've said this whole time, this whole season was really just gravy. And, you know, just to have gotten there and be that fourth seed was great. Obviously, they got exposed. I mean, there's no way around it. They got exposed in the, in the playoffs. They just – they certainly didn't have the talent to – match the Hawks or probably most of the other teams that were in the playoffs. You know, Tibbs took home coach of the year yesterday. I still think well-deserved. Um, and if anything, I heard Windhorse make this point earlier today when I was listening to his podcast. I think you could just based on how they played in the playoffs, you could actually make an argument that that's even more deserved that he was able to get that yeah. level, you know, that full season out of this team where it, which was so clearly inferior talent wise to other playoff teams. So um, you know what? It was a great step in the right direction for the Knicks. I'm really excited about the future. It's going to be an interesting off season with all the cap space and um, you know, Listen, it was fun. It was fun getting to go to playoff games. Yeah, and and now the fun of the offseason begins. You can just start pushing Damian Lillard and, and Kawhi rumors. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to do that that thing where that's all we had to hold on to for so long as Knicks fans was like, right. oh, you know, the Savior's coming, the Savior's coming. Even as to, you know, as as few as two years ago with um with Kevin Durant, uh, I I'm very happy with how Leon and and World of the West have come in and built this thing right. And if that happened and some a, a superstar came here, great. If not, um, I'm totally cool building this thing the right way. So I'm excited about the Knicks. Well, I'm I'm from Nebraska. I don't really have an NBA team that I root for, so it was fun cheering for your Knicks for a week. But yeah, let me uh, you ask know. you. Hold on, before you go on, I saw you were you were really hurt. You were really hurt with LeBron. Um, I know you you're not a, you're not a, a team fan. You're a LeBron fan, and that's fair. Um, you'll you'll defend his whining antics. You'll do it all. I get it. But uh, how, how are you feeling after LeBron's first first round elimination? It hurts, but this has to help boost the legacy, right? Because Jordan got bounced how many times in the first round, and okay. he's he's the goat. Okay? okay, so so I think this did nothing but build his legacy even further. There you go. There you go. Uh, no, it was. <laughs> I was posting the jokes on Twitter. I I probably had a few too many drinks that night that they got bounced. I was not. I, it's just rough, man. Like basketball for me kind of started in 2003, like when LeBron mm-hmm. came into the league. So you know he's he's been the he's been like my only sports idol ever so no totally yeah, no, it was it was rough it was rough not seeing him make the finals for you know another another year but i will be uh, back next year we'll be back next year i sure hope we'll see what happens with that Lakers squad i just i mean you know if ad can't stay healthy that team is just total right. dust yeah i know better than to doubt lebron like i know better than to think he's he's on the the back swings yet i i want to see it i want to see him come back out strong next year and i'm sure he will so um Give him a real offseason, which they they very much deserve, that Lakers team. So yes. we'll see. You know. Totally agree with you. All right. Before we get into today's episode, which we're gonna we're gonna kind of switch things up. This has obviously been very basketball heavy because that's yep. been what's relevant. Um before we switch things up, we Gary did offer up a card from his collection, uh Trey Young Optic Base, if I remember yep. right. The rated rookie. So his rookie, this is probably his like second highest flagship rookie card after his prism card. Just the optic. Uh, rated rookie base card just before we even get into who won this card now that the Hawks did win um, this card is up everybody this card is up right now so uh, Trey's market in general should be up it is you're seeing a little bit on the high end nothing crazy because the market is you know what it is right now but the, this card is up the, for most of towards the, the the second half of the season this card was going for anywhere from like 20 to 25 bucks raw and now you're seeing it anywhere between 35 and 40 dollars raw I think the last one went for like 36 37 um, and then again as I said this one looks good to me uh, you know I think it it would be a great card to practice grading on like we talked about when all those tiers open back up. So. Yeah. And as we said at the top, we appreciate you guys, you know, listening here. It's, it's been fun to build this thing out for the first couple of months and, and everyone that subscribed and, and reviewed the podcast, we threw all your names into a randomizer, spun the wheel and Steven Smalls was the winner. So Steven Smalls, you're the big winner. If you, uh, if you're listening, please send Gary a DM on Twitter at G Hartman, three, one, four, and uh, we're going to show you how he, sh- how he ships those cards out. So you're going to get a nice 
protected card in yep. good condition. Uh, just just send Gary a DM on Twitter and you'll get that sent out to you. Yeah, I'll get it out this week as soon as you get me your address. Congratulations, Stephen Smalls. You're not killing me, Smalls. You're doing great. Very happy for you. Um, and, you know, we'll do more things like this in the future, right, Cody? We're going to try to, you know, the, the the loyal listeners that we've had up to this point, and we're still a small show growing. We're excited about everything. We want to reward the people that have been with us since the beginning. We're going to keep uh, doing things like this as far as giveaways and, and fan interaction. So, Yep, of course. We'll try and keep this running um, mainly to podcast listeners. We won't put this out on Twitter. We won't put this out on our socials. This will be for anyone that's listening to the show. So, again, if you are listening, subscribe. If you haven't yet, rate, review the podcast, and we'll just keep kind of a running tally. And, and as we do giveaways, we'll just throw those names into the randomizer and, and, and pick a name out. Speaking of socials, real quick, I should say, I failed to mention it up to this point. We do have an Instagram page, at Establish the Collection. It's, uh, I'm, I'm keeping it somewhat active, and I'm going to get more going with it. But uh, it's a great place that you should follow it. I'm going to start getting that account to follow a bunch of good card accounts on the Instagram world. So as I mentioned, Instagram's a great place for buying, selling, networking in the card world. So if you're new to it, if you're not, um, I'm going to get that page as active as I can in that community. So give that a follow, and um, you know, I think it'll be great as far as maybe I'll show off some of my own collection on there, but just as you know, getting involved in that social media card space, which is kind of really crucial um, as far as you know, uh, sh uh, price shopping, like we, which we've mentioned uh, on the show. Yeah, and we're on Twitter as well. We haven't posted much from Twitter. We've been keeping it mostly um, from our personal accounts, but we'll start using the Establish the Collection Twitter account to give out updates on content, um, to post some insights and actual stuff on there. Uh, our Twitter handle is at Collection ETR. So at Collection ETR. So give us a follow there. Give us a follow on Instagram. Uh, we'll start pushing more updates from each of those channels. Yep. Yep. Exactly. All right. Let's get into today's show. And it's going to be, at least from the top, a little bit of a sobering one because we wouldn't be a, a, a hobby show if we weren't talking about the status of the hobby as it stands today. And, and obviously, it's been a soft market. If you've been uh, in the eBay streets, if you've been looking to buy or sell, you probably understand that. And I mean, <laughs> no matter where you look, it's it's really basically a, a bloodbath out there. Some mm -hmm. of the resources that I use just looking at indexes and and things of that nature, just kind of look at the overall health of the market. The card ladder index, that's down over the last three months. Star stock football index, that's down. Baseball, down. Um, and then basketball, man, if you look at the star stock basketball index, which is just like the 30 uh, it's it's a collection of 30 young players in the league, um, their base cards. If you just look there, that thing is way down uh, over the last 90 days. So, and look, you can cherry pick any number of cards, um, you know, any number of cards in any any sport, and you'll see that generally the trend is downwards over the last, you know, 16 to 90 days. So, um, Gary, how, I mean, how did we get here? We kind of knew this was coming. We actually talked about it in episode one. We knew that a yeah. lot of this stuff wasn't going to continue to go up and up and up. We've, we've packed 18 months worth of, uh, you know, we've packed decades probably worth of profits and, and growth into like 18 months through the pandemic. We knew some of this stuff was going to come back to earth. But uh, how are you feeling as you look at the market today? Honestly, I, I think it's healthy. I really do. I mean, as 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 much as it stinks as someone that's constantly buying and selling cards to see a market swing down like this, um, it's not necessarily a bad thing. First of all, this is a market that needed correction. I was never going to use the word bubble because it, to me, it's not a bubble. It's a market that's been around for literally over a hundred years with the high end always having existed and people always having interest in people always being interested in sports. It's always been an indicator um, of a player's performance to an extent. So I never, I really never looked at this as a bubble. What I think is happening, and this is my theory, and we'll talk about just in general what, why, why this is happening, uh, is you know we've spoken a lot about this. I think people are finally realizing that base cards, and I think that's really where this is bottoming out, is are. Um, what is it just so mass, you know, overproduced, especially over the last couple of years, that those sustained prices of base cards, even in good slabs, just weren't going to sustain to what, um, you know, they they were hitting. And then that kind of trickles up. Instead of trickling down, I think it kind of trickles up. So when the the lowest tier goes down, you're going to see that trickle up. Now, obviously, we're going to talk about it in a little bit. The very, 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 very high end is still is still setting records. So that's going to be a good sign. But you're going to still see the like kind of flagship market um indicators as like the top lebron james rookie tops chrome those are going down as well uh you know that was at the end of may was sitting around twenty twenty one thousand dollars for a psa 10 and lebron's tops chrome rookie uh, i believe the last ones have been selling between 14 and 15 grand so hey i mean i you know i i still think lebron's as safe an investment as you can get if you're going to be able to catch him on a downswing like this i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing but you know there's a lot of reasons i think it's base i think that we we um 
had just this last 18 months, like you mentioned, where everyone was stuck inside and people got into this hobby and had money to spend um, with stimulus and everything like that. Now it's summertime in most of the country and people are able to get back out of the house and it's not people's main focus. So, um, you know, I, I think this is something that was probably coming. I still don't think it's a bubble. I still think this market has a lot of legs. And, um, you know, it's it's something that ultimately is probably a healthy thing. Yeah, and some of the argument of, like you just mentioned, the, the, the naysayers were saying, you know, this was this was a bubble. It was built on the sports going on pause and no one had anything better. No one had anything else to do and quarantine and interest rates are low and people's got people got extra money from the, the stimulus checks and things like that. And there's some truth to that. There are some likes to those arguments that, you know, a lot of this is, is going to trend downward now that the world is somewhat returning to normal. So yeah. uh, I, I totally get that argument. But, you know, long term, and you kind of have to think think about these things in in, in respect to the, the horizon that you're investing in. If you're thinking about buying cards and flipping them tomorrow, that's that's probably not going to be a, the, the case right now. Things that were going up for the last 18 months probably aren't going to be going up uh, in, the sh in, in the short term, at least. So I, I think the one thing you can you can turn to is just the the overall health of the industry and, and what happened over the last 18 months is generally a good thing. And, and the correction is going to be a good thing. But uh what we saw over quarantine, I think a lot of that's going to exist going forward. I think the fact that cards became more mainstream as, you know, an accepted store of value, an accepted form of investment, I think will will continue. I think the rise of sports betting and fantasy and DFS being correlated with the increase in, in card values, I think a lot of that's going to continue to help out. It's just another way for for people like us that that like to speculate on sports, another way for us to try and make money. Uh, you know, I think that uh, even as prices have soared, there's new tech that's getting involved. There's places like Fractional that I talk about a lot. There's there's um, you know new marketplaces and vault places that are helping. The barrier of entry is becoming lower, even as prices are going up. So, uh, you know, like you mentioned, if there's players that you're interested in uh, that you maybe couldn't afford previously, and now you're catching them on a downswing when they're down 25, 30, 40 percent. If you believe in in the hobby long term and you believe in this as as an investment long term, then now might be a good time to buy, but trying to maybe time the bottom isn't necessarily a strategy that I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. You know, if, it, if these things could continue to go down, I don't know what your theory is on that. The, the prices have fallen quite a bit, but do you think, I mean, do you think in the short term that these are going to continue to tumble a little bit before we see a rebound? I think I think base has a little bit longer to go as far as mm -hmm. where where we're going to see those settle in. Um, I I think you're not going to see too many base rookie PSA ten cards sit. Um, very far into that, you know, $100, $200 range. I think a lot of those will settle in at the $100 mark and below. So you're going to see a lot more cheaper slabs. So if you're somebody that's just interested in getting um, base type rookie cards in a slab under $100, you're going to see that. I, so I think that's where a lot of those are going to settle. I can't, you know, again, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not interested in speculating on, on a bottom for, for the rest of the market. But I, I would be surprised to see um, some of the, the super legendary, legendary cards um, get so, so low where every Joe can afford them. You know what I mean? Right. Um, like the Michael Jordan rookie, for example, we knew when that was going for close to a million dollars with the pop reports that were out for that card, that that was literally just feeding at the very, very high end of the hype of the market. Um, that was always going to come back down. I, I wouldn't expect for you and I to be able to go scoop that card up uh, anytime soon, though. So um, not to speak to your bankroll or, or anyone's, but you, you, you know what I mean. So yeah. um uh, yeah, no, I, that's a long way of saying uh, I'm with you. I'm I'm not going to speculate on that sense, but I would be doing a little bit of buying if I were an average person in, in this marketplace like like I will be doing. So um, I think one other way to take advantage is you're seeing this uh, affect uh, box prices and break prices as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, maybe we'll be this will be a good thing for kids that want to get involved in the hobby for uh, anybody that wants to be able to get some sealed product at a more affordable price uh, on the hobby side, particularly ho hobby boxes, um, you may be able to do so. So that's, uh, yeah, that's, we've, that's positive. we've, we've talked about the frustration of that on previous episodes about how impossible it is to get your hands on product at a, you know, at a reasonable price, you're having to spend $1,500, $2,000 for these boxes and, and retail is obviously impossible. We know with the fiasco with Target, but yeah, I would be thrilled if I could start getting my hands on on full sealed boxes, full yeah. sealed wax of of products that I'm really interested in, and even if I just hold it long term. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think, like you said, this is healthy. This is good for the market overall long term. We couldn't continue to see these prices go up, or it's just going to drive more and more people away because of the you know the absurd prices. And we we should say while we're seeing the market go down compared to what it was uh, during the peak of the pandemic, or you know in February or January, whatever. Um, 
you know, it's still a pretty healthy market overall, considering pre-pandemic. You you sent me yesterday a card that I was looking at at buying. Uh, Pokashevsky, we mentioned him last week on the Far yeah. Podcast. One of our favorite rookies from this class. It was his gold shimmer, first of the line, out of 10 prism rookie card in a PSA 10 slab. This is a guy that had, I don't know, four actual good NBA games <laughs> in his career and played on the worst team in the league this past year. That card went for almost five grand. And this is a good, you know, this that's pure speculation still. So like, you know, to me, that that's still a good thing. People are people are willing to spend on speculation of high end cards or of just strong rookie colors, refractors. I think that market will not go de- dip too too much. Again, I think it's going to be the base that yeah. really bottoms out. And um, you know, you're going to still see the stuff that we know have certain pop reports or we know are numbered. You know, that we know the actual circulation. I still think you'll you'll see a floor for that stuff. So. When that when that Poku card was closing out at auction, I had it at my wa- added to my watch list. I had no interest, you know, no intentions to buy it. But when I mm-hmm. saw it start to climb up twenty eight hundred, and then it went to four thousand, then went to forty five hundred, I'm like, oh god, Gary's at it again. We're gonna yeah. have something. To sh- <laughs> we're gonna have something to share on the podcast. I thought about it. My so my you- out price was like thirty five for okay. Four or so. Okay. I, I wasn't I wasn't getting up to uh, that that five range. Yeah, um, it got pretty wild in the final, you know, thirty to forty five seconds of bidding. So I was like, oh Jesus, we're gonna have another another flex on stream. Yeah, no, no, but uh, it's 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 funny you know and and um but we should say and i think this is a really good transition to what we're going to be talking about today um and i know we have a couple more news items that we want to get to but uh it's not the whole entire market that is down there are no. some places you could find where not only is the the market standing strong and, and setting you know kind of establishing itself for some of these other sports but um there may even be some edge in some of these other places so th- those do exist and we'll get to that a little later on yeah i'm excited about that let's before we get there let's just talk quickly uh, about the record, some of the record sales that continue at the high end, because I think that's important. And, and we know that that these markets are just a little bit uncorrelated with just the general market that we've been talking about, the base market, and even some of the parallels and the modern cards and things like that. But uh, we've seen a couple records broken recently, which I think is good long term for the hobby. We're, we're seeing some of the extremely, extremely low pop count stuff, like we're talking two to five cards available for any of these players. Uh, we're seeing those break records. So the 1979 Gretzky uh, OPG sold for 3.75 million there's two of those cards in existence in a PSA 10 and uh two uh tops cards in existence for in, in PSA 10 uh the Brady rookie card sold for 2.9 million there's a Babe Ruth card that was recently purchased that's rumored to be a uh, 6 million dollar card uh that's that going to be offered awesome up, yeah i mean it's just sick it's mm-hmm. sick but there's a percentage of that card that's going to be offered on the collectible fractional platform um yeah, I mean, it's just seeing these type of numbers are staggering, and and obviously it's it's waters that we aren't in, but it's still it's still good, I think, for the overall health of the market. Can I ask a question of that? Just a quick sidebar: when you would you say there's a percentage of that card? Can you explain that to me? So somebody owns that card, and they're only offering up a certain amount of it. Is that what you mean? Yes. So this one, I think it was rumored that it was purchased at six million. I don't think that's even been confirmed yet, but it was rumored to be purchased at six million. Wow. The owner is retaining ninety nine percent. <laughs> equity of that card so really you know look it's it's cool that that collectible is offering it on their platform and i i hope i'm not wrong i, I hope i'm not wrong but i read this and i think they're offering one percent of the card so sixty thousand dollars for you and i it's literally fractional literally fractional <laughs> you, you literally have a chance to own a percentage of a percentage i'll be the jay-z so. brooklyn nets owner of that card essentially <laughs> less than one percent or whatever he owned of that team when he would uh, uh yeah i'm excited to get my hands on one point point oh 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 one percent of yeah. that card so I, I will be in there at ipo trying to get a piece of that yeah that's cool i i I see. I didn't even know that they necessarily did that um still learning more and more about the fractional streets every day but it's cool it's cool because it, it allows um, you or I or anybody else to get in on a $6 million card, even if it's at, you know, as you said, 0.0001% or whatever it is, um, you could still say, Hey, I own this freaking sweet $6 million Babe Ruth card, or at least a piece of it. So. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad I've gotten you into the fractional space because you're coming around a little bit. And, and one oh, yeah, of the things, sure. one of the things that's happened recently in fractional is there's, there's a bunch of buyouts, um, coming both from the, you know, the two main, the two main players in the space are rally and collectible. Um, but we've seen a lot more buyout offers coming from rally, which I think is good for, um, investors and, and user users of, of that website that have maybe grown frustrated as I have recently, just with, with, uh, trades trading on the secondary market's been down. Yeah. It's been rough. Uh, assets aren't filling at IPO. So it's, it's just good to see that there's still an interest there, at least from collectors and, and buyout offers are another way for liquidity for, for you to get liquidity and for you to, to, you know, realize some gains on some of the assets. So just wanted to make a quick note on that, that if you've been in the fractional space, if you followed me, you know that I'm in the fractional space pretty heavily. 
Um, seeing those buyout offers roll in, whether they're accepted or not, it's just a good sign that uh, you know these companies are at least willing to entertain them and that some of these assets can still appreciate going forward. Definitely. Uh, quick note, one last thing here before we get into, into today's topic is just wanted to touch on Top Shot. Um, we'd be remiss if we didn't top, talk about Top Shot because it is one of the one, you know, one of the few markets in the collectible space recently that is bouncing and trending upwards. Um, they recently announced their, their premium pack drop and in the future there will be a hollow icon drop coming at the end of the month, I believe. Um, and in addition with that, they, they kind of made some announced some clarity with respect to their top shot collector score. So in order to, um, and Gary and I did not get a premium pack, so we won't be ripping those on today's show, but in order to qualify for the premium pack, you needed to have a collector score at least 2,500 or above. Um, so what that did, that really helped the, the market in a, as a whole, as people tried to, you know, achieve that score to qualify for this premium pack drop. So They've announced that for the hollow icon drop that's upcoming at the end of the month, that it'll likely be much higher than the 2,500 score that you needed to qualify for the premium pack drop. So if you've seen the market bounce, maybe you didn't act or maybe you did act, but just keep in mind that uh, over the coming weeks, you will notice um, likely uh, even higher bounce, a little, a little bit of a rebound for the top shot marketplace as people try to qualify for the hollow icon pack drop. So... Um, just, just keep that in mind. If, you, if you've been someone that's been holding on to your moments, you may be rewarded if you qualify for that. If you're someone that's maybe falls short of, of either of those requirements, you can start trying to buy up some of those moments to to qualify for the the more lucrative pack drops, if you will. Yeah. Can I, I, I just want to talk about this for, for a minute. So first of all, I, I did qualify for that pack we were talking about. I didn't get one, but the only reason I qualified is because I'm down so big in the market that I got some sort of bonus. <laughs> Cody was explaining to me with the collector score. Cody, I, I, I really just want to ask you though, like what is your opinion of the collector score and what it does to the marketplace? Like, cause the way I look at it almost, and, and I kind of had the same theory on challenges at the beginning is it's kind of like market manipulation. So like, I don't know if I should really believe what this market is doing when it's just so, you know, clearly tied to this, you know, time horizon where, okay, this challenge needs to end, or I need to up my score in time for this pack drop. And so I don't know if it's actually reflective of the market, you know, being up right now. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. I'm with you. I understand both sides of the argument, I think. And if you're, if you come from the hobby and you're a hobby traditionalist, you know, and, and you're in the traditional cardboard space, I think you would, you, you can kind of liken it to, okay, well, to qualify to get a, you know, Panini Prism hobby box, you would have to have a hundred PSA slabs. Or so, you know something of that nature. So then you'd go out and buy a bunch of PSA slabs. You'd be like, "Oh my God, look at the price of these PSA slabs! They're, they've gone up so much." And you're like, "Well, no, they've only gone up because I'm trying to buy them so I can right. get a hobby box, right?" And so I think that's the easiest argument to make for, uh, you know, for why this is a bad thing. I think the other side of the argument that that people would just say it's kind of added utility. You yeah. know, you get the utility from owning these moments, and by owning these moments, and it's rewarding people that hold stuff. Um, so by holding these things then you're rewarded with the ability to join premium pack drops and hollow, you know, the, the legendary pack drops and things of that nature. So I understand it from both sides. Um, you know, it's, I don't think the collector's score algorithm is perfect. Um, but you know, I get it from their perspective that basically they're just trying to reward people that aren't just buying, flipping and, and taking money out of the, out of the marketplace. So yeah, I think it can be improved. I think the collector score algorithm can be improved. So they truly reward the people, you know, that, that are, that are there. I know that some people have just following along on Twitter. I know some people that have pretty high account valuations, people that have spent a lot of money didn't even qualify for the drop just because, yeah. you know, they didn't get the marketplace bonus and, you know, maybe they didn't own the right stuff and things like that. So yeah, certainly there can be some improvements there. I hope they, I hope they continue to tweak that going forward, but um, yeah. I mean, I get why Top Shot does it for both those reasons. One, reward the people that have bought into the marketplace and are holding moments, but also it, it, um, you know, it, it, it's a influx of money into the marketplace for them. You know, they're, yeah. they're, and I, so I, I understand, I understand both sides. I just, I don't know what kind of long term impact it, it has or, or anything like that. But it's, it's an interesting thing to monitor as far as when these collector scores or big pack drops are coming up, and um, you see the market move as a result. Look, and I think I think even taking a step back, just a macro view, we've talked a lot about market today and, and things that maybe impact the market. I think it's a good reminder that, you know, we talk about this kind of from an investing and, and money making perspective, but you, the core of this should be like buying stuff yeah. that you enjoy and stuff that you like. I mean, if you're just buying stuff because you think it's going to go up in value and you don't care about the product, don't like the product, aren't having fun doing it, 
you're, you're probably going to end up being hurt more often than you're, you know, than you're, than you're rewarded. So I think that should be a core tenant of what you do with this space. It's, it's obviously supposed to be a ton of fun. You, should, you shouldn't, you know, be miserable when you're losing money. So as long as you're buying stuff that you enjoy, if you're making a little bit of money, uh, you know, on the side, then that's great too. But I know we get heavy on the investment talk and like the, you know, the money making talk, but I think that's a, an important reminder that you should, you should truly be enjoying this. It's a great, great, great point. I mean, in the cardboard world, we call it a hobby for a reason. And we're, you know, we're calling this the established a collection collector. They are collectibles. It's yes. something that we want to do uh, as, as a hobby to, to collect things. And uh, that, that's supposed to be fun. And it's, and it is, you know, and it, it's, it's such a great point. You know, the, the money, um, it's especially in today's day and age with everything being so high end. Um, unfortunately, it's just the reality of it that we have to look at it from that perspective as well. But yes, you should be, especially if you're, if you're spending money on things, um, like this, you should be doing it because you enjoy collecting, you enjoy owning it, you enjoy saying that you have this, you enjoy looking at it, whatever it may be. Uh, 100% great, great reminder. All right. Speak, speaking of things that you enjoy. Oh, yeah. He, oh, my gosh, man. You're, you're just a sicko. Gary has a new obsession. And th this is going to be the, the point of today's episode. We want to talk about secondary sports, non-traditional sports. And so today we've, we've identified three that we both are interested in. Um, maybe Gary a little bit more interested than than me on the others, but we want to talk about some stuff that you you probably don't hear a lot about. With this show, obviously, it's been very basketball heavy. We've talked foot, we've talked football, we've talked baseball. Um, Gary's got a newfound obsession, and you probably couldn't guess it, but Gary is fallen madly in love with Formula One racing. So, Gary, take it away because I know nothing about F one. Just 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 ooze all over the screen on what your love for F one is. Just give it to me. I'm a huge F1 guy, F1 for <laughs> life. Uh, it's it's so funny. So like two, I don't know, maybe it's only two or three weeks that I've been enjoying this, but we've talking, we were just talking real quick before I kind of just go crazy about F1 because it's the best. But um, we, we were just talking about how the market's down. It's a soft market, all this, but it's funny because the sports that we're about to talk about right now, may, and maybe it's because they're new for the most part and yeah. the, the markets are establishing. These are markets that I think there's edge involved. Uh, I think there's money to be made. I think it's fun if you're into any of these sports and I think that the markets are healthy and growing. So let me talk about F1 because I think it's great. So uh, I, I never in my life thought I would give a crap about any motorsport. Really, I didn't. I never, in America, I've never watched NASCAR. I've never watched IndyCar, didn't care. Um, but I, I mentioned a couple of times some of the podcasts I was listening. I'm a huge Ryan Rosillo fan. He's one of my favorite podcasters on The Ringer. Uh, and he, tongue in cheek, over the last like month and a half or so, has just been saying he's a huge F1 guy. And eventually he got into saying, well, I just thought he was kind of joking around. It was because there's this Netflix docu-series uh, called Formula One Drive to Survive. There's been three seasons. And basically one season covers one season of Formula One. And it's fascinating. There's all this money involved. It's uh, huge internationally. I mean, you have hundreds of thousands, literally over 100,000 people going to most uh, Grand Prix, they call uh, their races on the weekends. And it just never has had that massive popularity in America. But internationally, it's it's really really huge they actually do broadcast the races on espn on sunday mornings you have to wake up early usually depending on where the race is occurring but um so anyway this is the first year that they've released cards for this stuff and i uh basically so i've been hearing ryan brasillo talk about this stuff and then obviously i'm involved in card breaks and the card world mm -hmm. so i basically saw this stuff released recently so there's been two main releases we'll talk about those in a second but i was like oh that's interesting. Let me look at what some of this stuff is selling for on the secondary market, which we also get into. And I was, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, okay, this stuff is this stuff is legit. So um, I go in. I was literally I was talking to Cody on Slack, and I said, hey, I'm going to go into this break right now for Formula One because I want to talk about it on the podcast, and I'm fascinated. I don't know anything about it. So I do that. I hit a couple cards that I think are cool, and then that night I start the Netflix docu series. And now here we are, like a week and a half later, and I'm I'm obsessed. I love the sport. Can't wait. Can't wait to watch every weekend. Uh, can't wait to collect more cards. Can't wait to learn more about all these players. It's it's just fascinating once you get to know the storylines. You know the drivers. It's and this doc this this Netflix series is so well done. Um, and you 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 actually get invested, and uh, it's been fun. It's been a fun journey learning becoming a fan of a new sport. Yeah, your passion is literally permeating right now. Like, I, yeah. I don't think that you've been as passionate as you were in those last two minutes that you as you've been on this <laughs> show at all. So, no, you, you, and he's serious. He sent me a message on Slack. He's like, "Hey, if you want to watch me, you know, get involved in this break." And I think what'd you break? Two cases? A case? Yeah, uh, 
it was probably like, yeah, it was about a case. Pretty probably. Close. I, I think the breaker that I had it from basically just had like a bunch of lots, like loose boxes. I don't know how they're selling those Sapphire ones, which we'll get into. I don't know if they come in full cases or if they were sold by the box. So, um, but it was about what a case would be. Yes. Um, I mean, it, it was a fun break to watch for me that wasn't even invested at all. I, yeah. you know, I didn't, I didn't buy any spots into this break. It was fun to watch Gary, you know, pull his cards. Um, why, why don't you just, why don't you take that to the next step? Because obviously the passion starts from a, a pure place. Yeah. Yeah, um, so, you're, you're in the break and then you text me or you send me a message in slack out of the blue i don't know it's probably a week or two later yeah and yeah. oh my gosh i mean so just, so just 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 give me the card tell me about the break tell me about how you felt when you, yeah. when you pulled this card just, so, just set the stage for me so i yes yeah, so i messaged cody um <laughs> i messaged him about a week and a half later and i say so I've become obsessed with F1 and I've done a bunch of breaks since that one you've seen me in. And I just hit a massive, massive card. So <laughs> I had this. So the, the number one driver probably of all time and certainly right now in F1 is Lewis Hamilton. He drives for Mercedes. Um, he's won multiple championships, meaning he's won the most races and points of the year. Uh, again, I'm, I'm no expert yet. I'm still learning, guys. But um, and so his cards. So again, these are the first time they've ever released these cards. So these are they're not his rookie cards, but they're basically the first cards that are in existence of uh, made by Topps. Um, and there's Topps Chrome, just regular, which released in April. And then a lot of times with Topps Chrome, if it's a popular product, they release something called Sapphire, which is usually their cracked ice looking cards, refractors. Um, that's a little bit more high end. So I've been getting in these Topps Chrome Sapphire box and I hit this Lewis Hamilton card that's a purple refractor uh, and it's out of 10. So you can see on the back two of 10 here. So for some context, um, the red variation of this card, uh, which is out of five, went a couple of weeks ago for $46,000 raw. Uh, so ungraded, ungraded F1 card, just raw. 46 grand. Just, 46 oh my grand. gosh. So when I hit the purple uh, out of 10, I had people in the break room saying that's 25, 30 grand. Like you're, you're the easy, um, which I, I don't know if I'll get that much for it. I've had people already approach me about it. I have some offers and I got to see, um, but it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's just crazy. People love, Lewis Hamilton, they love these cards. Um, so yeah, so just to say, so that box costs about $775 for the box, so the Sapphire box. You get like eight packs in there. You get a bunch of different um, just colored refractors, probably five or six per box. Uh, and you're, if you get one of the top drivers, like it's that's real, real, real positive EV. So obviously we've talked a little bit about this on the podcast. Most time you're whipping, you're ripping your own wax. Um, which is, you know, you're opening your own hobby box. You it's, it's the, it's negative. Your expected EV is negative. Um, I would still say that's the case for these, but to a much lesser extent, because you know, all you have to do is if you hit one, just base version of that Lewis Hamilton card, which probably comes out one set of every three boxes or so, maybe two, um, that's about $11,000 card right there, just a base. Oh. So, you know, if that's one card in there, not to mention the other 40 cards that you're hitting in the box, you might have one that's 50 bucks, you might have one that's 100 bucks. So it's much easier to make your money back on this stuff compared to some of the other. Not to blow up my own F1 spot, but uh, it is certainly compared to some of the other stuff has has real, real upside. So, you know, there's crazy international appeal. Um, and, you know, that card is one of my top cards that I own now, which is just hilarious considering I didn't know anything about this sport two weeks ago. So um, yeah, Lewis Hamilton's the main guy. Uh, the the second biggest driver on on the the circuit right now, I'd say, would be Max Verstappen. He's a mm -hmm. driver for Red Bull, young kid. I think he's in like his fourth season. Um, so he's basically like if um, if Lewis Hamilton's LeBron, Verstappen's like KD or or, or Giannis or whatever you want to say is Luca. Uh, so you know, and his stuff goes goes fry too. It doesn't have the same ceiling as Hamilton, but his red, the same card of Hamilton's went for $7,000. So still super high and you're not going to hit to five, five figure prices. I have a blue or aqua variation of his variation card. So the variations one are of, of him sit, of them sitting down where you can see the base ones of them standing up. That's just the mm -hmm. difference. So those are the uh, cards that you're looking for. Um, there is also one other product that they released for the very, very high end is called Topps Dynasty. This is a product that they make for baseball as well. It's one card per box and um, they're super high end patch autographs. So those go for, for top for formula one, those go for like $1,500 a box, but you have the same upside. So um, a Verstappen one of one out of that went for $26,000. A Hamilton one of one went for 50 plus thousand dollars. So um, super, super high end. Super fun sport. Couldn't recommend the Netflix docuseries enough. And I think I'm done ranting just on the base about F1. Cody, do you have any questions? 
Oh, we need to go back to the card because what are you gonna yeah. what are you gonna do with the card? What's the plan? I mean, as of right now, and I don't want to I don't want to put you on the spot if you don't have a plan yet. But what's the plan no, with the so, card right now? Are you are you planning to send it into grading? Are you gonna hold it because it's your baby? Are you are you? No, not holding. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I as much as I want to hold. Um, so what one thing I, I learned about this stuff recently also is that the sapphire cards, particularly, are very very hard grades. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason. Um, Chrome, you know, a lot of times it might have some surface issues, but this set, the the Formula One Tops Chrome Sapphire set, does not grade very well. Uh, and I looked at this card, I got it in, I thought it looked great. The front looks awesome, corners, edges look good. I flip it over, the back's got a little dent um, uh, on the back here, so like you won't be able to see it on screen, but uh, it won't grade. I know it won't grade, but so I'm not gonna send it to green, but I know I've been seeing these raw cards go for. I mean, the orange also went for like the orange out of 25 went for 12k. The red went for 46. Um, you know, everyone, I think anyone that's buying these cards knows there's knows they're a tough grade and is expe expecting or accepting the market at a raw price. So um, I would still hope to get at least 20 uh, k for this card, and I plan on I do plan on selling it. Uh, I'll let I'll, I'll let the audience know if and when I do and for how much. But that that's the plan. Yeah, please do. I, t I told my wife when you when you sent me that message in Slack, I think I was like going home for lunch on my work break. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I happened to run and you know, my wife was at home and I happened to tell her, I was like, God, everything Gary touches turns to gold. <laughs> Just, I mean, such a sick card. You're in the hobby for, you know, you're in you're into the F1 streets for a couple of weeks and you pull a $25,000 card. It's just awesome. Yeah, since then I've I've got into a couple more breaks. I've hit that same card in the aqua, the same color. Uh, so out of 99. So that's like, you know, not 20 gram, but probably good good chunk of change and i hit one of his base cards as well i'll see i would love to get one graded because like i think it'd be awesome if they do look good to get a nine or ten on those things and hold for a little bit or just see what that market does because i think it's um i never realized the popularity of this of this yeah. stuff but, but i'm all in i'm gonna finish the netflix docuseries i'm on season two i'm gonna buy the ps5 game when it comes out in a couple of weeks i'm pumped i'm a huge f1 guy well, that's that's like a theme, running theme of of this show today is just talking about the popularity of some of these non traditional sports, and you might not even realize it until you get into looking at some of the metrics and some of the viewership numbers and some of the dollars that are spent by consumers of these sports, uh, and that leads us into the to the next sport that we're, that we're talking about today, and that's the UFC. Yeah, and I mean, same way for the UFC, the the popularity is through the roof for UFC, and they just dropped their first uh, Prism product, their first Panini Prism product, on uh, at the end of April. So uh, UFC was previously with Tops for uh, 11 years and recently signed with Panini. So Panini is releasing their first year prison. We know how we know how first year prison products do and how first year prison products hold up across sports. But um, they're also planning releases of Select that's planning on coming out in July, Chronicles coming in September, and then Immaculate coming in December. So there will be a, a few different variations for you know UFC fans to get their holds on to get their hands on. Um, and, and as far as like the checklist goes, if you're a, a Panini Prism NBA or NFL fan, you'll you'll kind of understand some of the parallels that are in there: the silver, the green, white, sparkle, uh, numbered cards, red, blue, purple. And then they've got this cool octagon card that's that's numbered out of eight that literally has octagons on, on the on the base of the card. It's a pretty cool look. Um, so yeah, just as far as the product itself goes, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a neat product. If you're familiar with Prism, you'll understand and you'll kind of understand, uh, you know, the, the, the things that you're searching for out of boxes, but there is really no buy low window with, with UFC out of the gate. I mean, yeah. it, you're looking at box prices for 1200, $1,300 as soon as they hit the secondary market. So, um, you know, that's, that probably speaks to the rise in popularity of the UFC sport. I mean, really, there's a global market. If you look across, you know, you look across any of the weight classes and you'll see international fighters, you'll see fighters from Europe, you'll see fighters from Africa, you'll see fighters from Asia. Um, you know, so, so it just really speaks to the global market of the sport. And, and really, they just absolutely dominated during the pandemic. They just had a great run over the pandemic. Dana White did great things for the sport. Uh, say what you will about him uh, otherwise, but he really did great, great things growing the sport. So, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in the UFC long-term and, and there's just so much going for the hobby itself. These, these events, the, the UFC fights, they're just built perfectly for social media. You got knockouts, you got big personalities. If you've been into MMA DFS, or if you're in, in, a, in our world on Twitter, you know, that that's like the, the go-to place on Saturday nights is people yep. are going to be talking about the fights. So, um, yeah, there's just a lot going on with the UFC. I haven't gotten my hands on any product yet, but I plan to, I want to get involved in some breaks. So Gary, if you can point me in the right direction for any breaks for UFC product, I would love that. 
I definitely can. I'm interested as well. I just looked up, up that octave gone parallel. I didn't realize that's what they did for the out of eight cards. That's sick. That's really kind of cool. It's, it's, it's awesome. Cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely got legs. The only thing I worry about with Panini, as you said, now they're going to, now that they realize that one was a success, which they knew it would be, they're just going to churn out more and more and more. We'll see yeah. how that impacts the market. I don't think it should for the prism stuff. Like you mentioned, it's their first prism. There's a lot of rare stuff in there for the very high end guys, the McGregor's of the world. Um, the Khabib's, all those guys, uh, I think that stuff's going to stand really strong. It'll be very interesting to see as they release the other products, what that market does. But it's it's got huge appeal. Um, as you mentioned, UFC DFS is awesome. Shout out to my brother-in-law. He won the GPP, the 100K GPP on Saturday night for right. UFC DFS. He chopped it up three ways, so one, but still won like 50, 50, 50 grand. Some grand. Yeah. yeah. Um, so shout out to him. But uh, it's it's a it's a it's a ton of fun UFC. Well, and the thing right now, too, is the roster is, is absolutely stacked. I mean, yeah. from the young guys to the stars, we obviously know the stars, the the Conor McGregor's of the world, the, you know, the Khabib's on, on the women's side, Rose, yep. she's huge. Kamara Usman is is a dominant. You even got guys that just have like a cult following like Nate Diaz and, and, and those type of guys. But um, rookie rookie the, the rookie class is pretty stacked too. this. Uh, I don't know how much you follow it, how closely you follow, but this is this Kamayev mm -hmm. kid who's nine and zero in his pro career um had a bout with covid so he hasn't fought in a while um he's expected to be back this dude is just a freaking i mean he's he's finished all of his fights before the third round i mean he's he's just an absolute machine uh, i think he's got the hobby value to sustain too he's got a great personality he's just a stone cold killer um has a massive so social media following it just really looks like he could be you know he could just be massive going forward so uh, just looking at his his rookie base prices, obviously a lot of this stuff we're talking about is raw because it's the product so new. We don't have a lot of graded stuff, but you know, just even just looking at his his base prices of his uh, of his um, you know prism base is fifteen to twenty five dollars right now, so really affordable. The parallel stuff is obviously a little bit more, but um, guys like that, Michael Chandler, Yuri Prochaska, Kevin Holland, uh, you know, a lot of these guys are. are going to have value long term just because of the the popularity of the sport growing and just because it's going to be rookie of their you know first year prison product is going to be huge going forward it's a great call i actually think this is a theme you're going to see from all the sports we're talking about today and we're going to get into one more in a minute um but they're all driven by young stars right now. The F1 has the same thing. I think that's one of the reasons this, this Netflix series is working and why people are really into it now that haven't been into it in other places of the world, like America, um, is it's just these these teams, the McLarens, the Mercedes, not to get too bogged down, they never trusted young drivers, 22, 21-year-olds, to, to be drivers of their cars before. And now you're seeing it like crazy, like really, really young, marketable stars. Kind of the same as golf is getting really big with that right now. Um, you know, UFC has that too. And it's awesome. By the way, you mentioned Nate Diaz. That's my guy. Uh, McKenna's no, no. pub 2016, just sitting there after work with a, getting a beer with a couple of buddies. I recognize Nate Diaz because he had fought McGregor like a couple months prior. <laughs> got a, got a great pick with Nate Diaz. That's my guy right there. That me, is amazing. Me, me and Nate. Um, <laughs> how, so, how, was he, how was Nate in person? So nice. I was, was just he like, really? oh, yeah, man. super, super nice dude. And, um, I was like, Nate Diaz, like, can we get a picture? Great guy. I uh, love Nate Diaz. Would love, you know, um, I, I go in and out with UFC. Like, so at that time yeah. in my life, which was 2016, I was really into it. I was watching every weekend and sometimes I dive back in and I dive back out. But um, I know enough to like know the stars and and know that this stuff is is really popular. And I like I still like watching watching the big fights. So it is one of those sports that you can go in and out of. It's It's got year long action. Right. So there's yeah. there's obviously there's generally a main event and generally a, a decent card every weekend. So, yeah, if you don't, if, if the guys that you're not interested in are fighting one weekend, you kind of just ignore it and then come back when the guys that you like are fighting. So exactly. it's it's one point on like future price catalyst, too. If you do talk short term, you know, whether it's flipping or, or trying to buy before a guy has a, a huge spike in his price. If you if you look ahead, you can kind of see some of these guys that are going to have like upcoming title fights or upcoming main events things like that you can maybe buy before that like uh marvin vittori is a rookie from that class he's going to fight israel adesanya mm -hmm. uh coming for the title at the main event of ufc 263 if you like marvin vittori you think he pulls off the upset against izzy buy his card now because it's going to spike in price if he beats him so you know things like that i, I kind of like that in terms of a guy being a guy that likes to look at you know short-term price catalysts and try to get ahead of a trend yeah, and that's this Saturday, UFC 263. So yeah. if you're listening to this now, you got a couple of days, but I know it's a huge card. Um, my brother-in-law who loves the the UFC DFS, he's he's pumped for it. Uh, so yeah, you know, I I'll probably be checking it out. I'm I'm excited. And another sport that is growing equally as fast, probably faster than than the UFC, the WNBA, women's basketball, and that's our our guy Adam Levitan, ETR co-founder. I don't know if he's still in, in into WNBA. 
but I know he was he was deep into the DFS uh, WNBA DFS streets a couple years back. He's probably too busy to even worry about that now. But um, they too released their first year Prism products this year, um, and actually it was October of 2020. But you mm-hmm. know they they recently released their their first year Prism, and coupled with the rookie cards for one Sabrina Ionescu, this product pretty quickly gained steam. I mean this this was one of those ones like if you're if you're thinking about. God, these these prices are so expensive. I can't get my hands on product, and, and hobby boxes are just through the roof. These hobby boxes could be found like two hundred to three hundred dollars a few months ago, uh, and, and now you're spending at least six hundred dollars to get your hands on one of those. So, um, the WNBA has has just been huge recently, and I think the hobby is kind of taking note of that a little bit. Uh, it's it's one of the products that is still kind of reasonably priced, and, and still has some legs to grow long term. I don't know. I've never really gotten your take on on where you're at with the WNBA. I've been pretty big on it. My local hobby shop has boxes that are uh, that are actually priced below where they're going, like on eBay. So I've been trying to get my hands on product. Uh, quick little tip: if if you've got hobby shops around you, give them a call and just ask them what their what their WNBA prism prices are, because they might not they might not be fairly reflective of of what the market's pricing them at right now. So anyway, what what's your what's your overall stance on the WNBA right now? Um, I'd be lying to say I watch it a lot, but I I am very interested in the young stars and I'm interested in the sport as a whole. Uh, and maybe when the NBA season wraps up, I'll, I'll be able to dive in a little bit. But I, I'm with the, our, our team at ETR here. We're, we're big WNBA NBA people in general. Drew Jinkmeyer also loves it, also interested in the DFS side of things. So, um, hey, if I can learn about it and get involved in DFS, that's a great entry point for me. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I am... I'm excited about the possibility of learning more about the WMA, but I'm also just excited about the fact that I know a lot of the young stars and I, and I like the fact that they're coming out with cards for them because it's long overdue, honestly. Yeah, for sure. I, I totally agree with you. I haven't played much WNBA DFS. I would love to get more involved with it, but um, you know, for me, for me, the WNBA in terms of like uh, from the hobby perspective, I want some Sabrina cards because I think she's just amazing. I, mm-hmm. you know, I love Sabrina. She's, she's the absolute driver. She's the, the Luca of the women's side, if you will, in terms of the card market, she's absolutely driving everything. Um, but you know, for me, like the WNBA is just kind of a long-term play from, from a collecting and investment standpoint. I, I don't think there's a whole lot of flipping to be had here, a whole lot of short-term price catalysts to be had here, but there are a lot of strong indicators that you're going to see some growth going forward. It was actually one of the only leagues to see increased viewership during the pandemic and it increased another 74% uh, this season over last year to, to start. They saw a 30% increase in social media engagement this year. Uh, they got 100, and, 100 nationally televised games this year, which is the first time they've got 100 nationally televised games since 2011. Uh, store sales for WNBA are up 350% last year. So there's just a lot of stuff, I think, uh, in terms of long-term growth for the league itself. You know, obviously there's a whole, uh, you know, the movement for equality and investing in women and, and things of that nature. I think you're going to see a lot more of that going forward. Uh, and honestly, it's good for the hobby. It's good for sports in general to see more of uh, more of a spotlight shine on these athletes. They're they're absolutely incredible. And if you do catch a game, you'll, you'll probably be impressed by the product, honestly. Yeah. Sabrina's awesome. And she's in New York. Uh, she's playing in New York, too. Which yeah. uh, So, you know, I'm a Liberty fan. So go, go Sabrina. And yeah, I'm with you, man. It's, um, I, anytime I even see highlights or if I just catch, you know, have a game on, um, I'm super impressed with the quality for sure. You know, and I think it's just getting better. Like, like I think all basketball players in, in this country are. So, uh, it's, it's exciting. I, I, I'd imagine they're releasing a 2021 product uh, around the same time. So yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what it does. And yeah, I mean, visually it, it looks the same as the 2020 men's prism. Yes. Um, which, you know, very clean looking card. You could tell the centering right away, same refractors, same colors, um, same, same things like that. Right. Yeah, it is. It, it, it mirrors the product perfectly. Um, you know, it can be a tough grade if you don't get one that's perfectly centered. Obviously it's, it's very obvious if something isn't centered on those cards because of the border around the edges, but yeah, it looks, it looks just like the, it looks like the Zion and jaw men's rookies basically is what it looks like. Um, I wanted to ask your thoughts because I, I was kind of curious as I'm trying to like hoard as many boxes as I can. And, and I, I have to be honest, some of these products, some of these boxes, I'm just reselling to to make sure I guarantee a profit a little bit. Um, but I do want to hold a couple boxes long term if I can. Um, what do you think the overall print run is like for a product like this that's brand new, uh, first women's product for basketball? There's not a whole lot of guarantee on interest. Do you think Panini went nuts and and overprinted these like we kind of suspect they may have done with the with the men's product recently my guess would be not to the level of the men's product just because they weren't entirely sure what the the sales would yeah. be up, up front so that that would just be my hunch um but panini 
is they're not even they don't even keep a secret about the fact that they're they won't ever give us numbers, but that they're producing at a higher level than ever. So I would guess that this, given that that was at the peak of this at the end of 2020, um, my my guess would be this was be no exception. However, I do think compared to the men's prism um, and just a bunch of other products, uh, even soccer stuff, things like that, my guess would be the print runs were lower, but I, I wouldn't know to, to what what extent. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I was kind of open for a different answer, but yeah, I mean, I mean, you can't be shocked with when the, when these things were printed and the overall interest in the hobby over the last couple of years, even with the new product and and not totally knowing your market for the women's side, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me to see these things pretty highly printed. But again, that's why I say when these things come out, um, you know, scoop up the colors, scoop up the refractors, scoop yeah. up the stuff that you know the print run on before that stuff just becomes rarer and rarer and grades up higher. You know, um, that's yeah. that's that's my advice with that stuff. Yeah, and, you, and we mentioned Sabrina. Obviously, she's the driving force, number one pick of the number one pick of the twenty twenty draft. She's she was the triple double queen in college. She was the youngest to secure a triple double in the in the WNBA. She obviously got the relationship with Kobe. Um, you know, she's already doing State Farm commercials. She's she's going to be huge. I think obviously, if the product succeeds and and she's successful, she's going to be huge long term. There's a few others that I wanted to mention from at least from the rookies. Um, Satu Saboli, I'm probably butchering names, God, I apologize, but Satu Saboli, she was the second overall pick. She's averaging 14 and eight last season. Uh, Kennedy Carter, she's a dynamic guard averaging 16 per game. She's got her, her nickname's Hollywood. So, you know, she's a ton of fun. And then obviously the studs, even guys, you know, girls that if you're not into or following the WNBA, Brianna Stewart, Asia Wilson, Tina Charles, Candace Parker, names that you're probably aware of. These are, you know, kind of the names to look out for, uh, if you're looking for singles or things like that. Out of the I, have product. A question. I have a question for you. I don't know if you know the answer. Did they release like the same way that Prism Men's has like Shaq cards and Larry Bird and stuff? Did they put like Lisa Leslie cards and things like that in, in this? Do you know? The checklist is pretty short. I think it's only a hundred players. So I, my, my guess would be it's active. It's only, active I think players. it is active. It's, it's a pretty short list. I like that it's better. Honestly. I like that better. I don't yeah, I mean, you're, you're looking at, looking at hobby boxes and things like that. You're, you're pretty locked in on getting, well, I shouldn't say locked in, but you're, you've got pretty good odds of getting a colored refractor for a pretty good rookie yeah. or one of the studs. So, yeah. Yeah. I wonder how many, uh, like, I wonder how many base Sabrina's pop out of a, of a hobby box or two hobby boxes or something like that. But uh, it would be fun. It would be fun to rip. I know you said you've got, you, you may be able to get your hands on some products. So, um, you know, maybe we'll be able to, to, to rip some at some point in the future blaster or something like that. I would love to convince Levitan and uh, and or Dink, you know, I would love to, maybe I'll need to slack one of those guys. I would love for them to like, just come on, do a quick live stream, rip some product and have them tell me about yeah. the WNBA because I'm by totally. no means an expert. I don't want to pretend to be an expert here, but uh, yeah, I know those guys know a lot about the WNBA. So I'd love to talk to them about it. Absolutely. It would be a lot of fun. Uh, All right. Sure. What, what else do you have today? We want to finish with a, with a starter pack, anything that we're missing before, before we get into uh, oh, close out with a starter pack. I think this is good. I think everyone should become F1 fans and you know, it's, it's the best sport we have going. Um, I'm, I'm kidding there. Basketball, Go watch the but, documentary, yeah, uh, you know, learn about Lewis Hamilton and Max. Yeah. Docu-series. Go watch, go watch about Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen and then go buy Gary's $25,000 card that he ripped from his second ever box break. Feel free to feel free to DM me <laughs> on uh, Twitter, Instagram, um, my cards Instagram. I've never plugged my cards Instagram on here, but it's Gaza's Sports Cards. If you're interested, you could ever check out some of the stuff I have. G A Z Z A S. Uh, that's just a little nickname that I have in the card world. But anyway, uh, I think we should. We're we're going on closer to an hour, so I think what we wanted to do just a little, um, just kind of starter. You know, this goes along with the starter pack series of how I like to ship and package single cards because I think that. A lot of times you'll buy a card on eBay and you're just worried that it'll arrive to you in, in crap condition because the seller might just throw it in an envelope, gets to you, um, no protection. And even if it's, you know, if it's a, in a bubble mailer like these, you know, it, which have bubble wrap inside of it, um, they might just slap an envelope on here and just throw the card in. That card is not protected. Um, it could slide all around. Uh, it can, you know, fall off a truck. It could, somebody could step on it. It can get run over, whatever. It's not protected. Um, so that's, that's the worst way these people, uh, you know, you'll see sellers, um, ship things. Another way is, oh, they'll just take the card. We're going to use the Trey Young card that we're shipping out as an example today. They'll just take the card and they'll throw tape over it and then do the same thing. So at least, well, it's not going to fall out of the top loader. It's got tape there. You know, that's bad as well, because if the card's not in the right size top loader, um, you know, it can move around just in there anyway. And so then it can go up onto the tape. The edges can get screwed up. I don't like seeing tape on my top loaders at all. Any kind masking scotch tape. Don't like it. Um, so 
this is the way that I like to ship cards. And I have, as I mentioned, I have 100% positive feedback on eBay. And if you look at my ratings, it's always great, well, great package, well packaged, great packaging, which I pride myself in because um, when I first got into this, I really didn't know what I was doing. And I actually took um, a buyer messaging me saying, hey, I recommend doing this like with the cardboard that I'm going to show you. Um, and it's it, cha it changed the way I sell because, um, you know, it, it is all it, it's all great. It's all worth it for the hobby and just doing things the right way because you you the way you'd want to receive a card is the way you should ship a card. So um, this is what I do. It's really really easy. Uh, I buy these. These are bubble wrap bags and they fit a card in there. They're like you could see the size in there. Perfect. Hopefully everyone's watching on YouTube. So uh, I don't even know if this will make the podcast part. This is great for YouTube. But um, so yeah, these you can get these on Amazon. You can buy them in like three hundred. Uh, like bags have 300 of these. They're little bubble mailer bags. So I buy these. I put the card in here first. So that's the first layer of protection. And so instead of putting a piece of tape on the actual top loader itself, I just fold this down. It's doing the same thing. The card's not going to move. And then you just tape the bag down. So I use like this kind of regular masking type tape. I tape the card down. If I can get a piece of it down. Just like that. And there you go. So now it's not moving. That's it. It's in there. So that's Steven, the first layer. Steven, your card is safe. Your card is safe. Steven, your card's in there. So that's the first thing I do. The next thing I do is I don't throw out any kind of cardboard packages I get at all. I mm -hmm. cut them all up. And this, so I don't have to purchase anything like this. This all comes to me anytime. I, if you order a box off Amazon, um, anything else, any kind of just regular cardboard box card you know i cut them up i take a card or a top loader for for sam for sizing and i make them the exact a little bit bigger than the card itself so um and basically i take two for each one i put them on both sides you make a little card sandwich what this does is it will first of all it creates a level layer of the car's not going to really move in there mm -hmm. it's got like a, a layer of um just shell on the outside but also it will again if the if the if the package got damaged in any way um this really puts a nice layer of protection on the card where, you know, you know, the top loader and the bubble wrap bag isn't enough. This really should make sure that card is not touched if this package gets damaged in any way. So then you just take that same tape. I just wrap it around both sides of it. So it sticks on there and like that, just do that and then do that on both sides. It's not going to move. And then, so just like that, and then it's taped down all the way. Beautiful. Can't do it, anything. And then I put it in the bubble wrap, the bubble mailer. So it's got like four layers of protection in there. So then I throw it in there. You throw the label right on there, and that's fine. Um, you could also then go take this one step further and put this into one of those USPS, like yep. uh, priority mail type things, and then you're, you're really golden. But this should just do the trick. I know if people do a lot of selling of single cards, it's easier to use the bubble mailers than I agree, but just make sure that that card has that layer of protection in there. That's the way I like to do it. That's the way that you'll almost guarantee the card should arrive to your person safe and sound without being touched at all in the mail. So there you and go. That, that, my friends, is how you get the card version of Adam Levitan's triple condom play of the day. <laughs> but seriously, that that's how you want to see your cards received. That's how you should send them out. But that's how Gary gets 100% rating on as an eBay seller. That's why he's got it on all of his dating apps. Um, yeah, this is guaranteed guaranteed admission to the hashtag team. I mean, if, if you are able to package a card <laughs> that way, it's actually, I don't even want to talk about the data behind this stuff, but it's 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 through the roof. It's proven. So. So Steven, your card is secure. Uh, yeah. that, that was a good demonstration. It's something we've wanted to do for a while. Generally speaking, and I know the horror stories can be horrifying, like of getting a card that's, you know, crumpled in half or the corners are bent or something. But generally, I'll say even from my experience as kind of a newbie um, in the, into the cardboard streets, almost all of my cards, I should say, actually, all of my cards, I don't think I've given any bad reviews. All of my cards have come in uh, just generally how Gary has his package. Good, so. Good. Uh, don't be don't be too fearful, but uh, yeah, do do leave good feedback for people that send their cards properly, uh, and hopefully you do the same. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a great point. Yeah, most people that do this a lot that sell cards in bulk a lot will eventually get to the point where they know to put package them that way. Mm -hmm. But hey, there's some people that are new or selling for the, or shipping for the first time, or honestly, there's some people that might just not care and don't do it the right way. Um, but that is the baseline way of how you should ship a, a ship a single card. If you're doing multiple, um, there are bigger bubble mailers, or there. Um, I'll put a couple cards. Like, say somebody buys four of my cards, I'll put them in the same 
bubble wrap mailbag and just put the same thing and you just and make yeah. it tight together it won't it won't make a difference those cards won't move so it's uh it's it's easy and it's it's it takes I, i'm going to be packaging a bunch tonight i had a bunch of email sales end earlier today so i'm shipping out a bunch it takes i don't know five couple minutes per card so it is time consuming but again if you're this is you're making money off it it's if it's if it's if it's something you're doing it's going to take some time but yeah i could not agree more well dude this was a ton of fun i love doing this episode we we talked yeah, about the, the bloodbath of the market things things will things will come back we'll we'll yeah. see some some happier days on the other side uh, Gary's obsession with F1, some UFC, some WNBA. Um, you know, as we mentioned off the top, if you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, please do so. Rate, review, all of those things help us out. Like we said at the top, we'll reward the people that are, you know, are here listening, loyal listeners. We'll keep this, uh, we'll keep this private between you and I. We won't post these on Twitter, so we'd get some, you know, some shill reviews that people aren't actually listening to the show. So if you're here, you've, you've made it this far, and you're listening, please subscribe, rate, review. Helps us a ton. We really appreciate it. Uh, we'll think of something off air and, and come back next week with some sort of giveaway and we'll just do the same thing. We'll pick a name and, and reward our, our loyal listeners. So again, we appreciate you guys being here for Gary. I'm Cody. We'll catch you next week. Take care, everyone.